from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a show that's been described as a podcast for people who will absolutely fight to the death about whether or not NSYNC or Backstreet Boys are the better boy band, where we talk about all things Star Wars Legends, celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined once again by the great, the legendary, Freddie C. What's up, Freddie? Hey everyone! Coming off a break. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm putting my vote in for Backstreet Boys. So. Oh, man! <laughs> this time of year, especially when you got Instinct Christmas, that you could put on repeat. You're gonna say Backstreet Boys? Get out of here, Freddie! Oh, come on. How about you? Uh, we we've also got our um, incredible producer here to keep everything on the rails. Keep us from talking about uh, slimy naked Palpatine uh, more times than we should. However, here we are already talking about him. Uh, Meg Dell, how are you, Meg? I'm great, and I love how, as you said, you're not going to talk about it. You not proceeded gonna talk. to no, talk not about gonna it. Happen. Stop talking about it. I do have the power to mute you. <laughs> you talk about it again. We did have some great conversations about him in the Discord over the last couple of Whatever. weeks. <laughs> Somebody showed off. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a Revenge of the Sith. Palpatine figure, at least the the shrivelly head. Um, fun fact: I actually have two of those. Why? Because we had one, and then my brother lost it. So then we got another, and then we found the original. So now we've got two of them. Also, uh, thanks to Joxy and to Wes for those subs. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for hanging in here with us, keeping the streak alive for sure. Um, yeah, Meg, no more, no more slimy naked palps. We are, however, going to talk about the man whose abs have made. Their debut on my chest for the first time tonight, wearing the shirt, the Heir to the Empire shirt. Um, also liked I've got Princess Leia's head on my belly button. That's especially awkward. Um, anyway, uh, also this week, joined for the second week in a row, our incredible guest. Uh, she made quite the debut last episode, uh, made quite the splash. I would say brought us into some of our most thought-provoking conversations we've ever had on Legends Look Back, all the way from the Great White North. Cheryl Bell, how are you, Cheryl? I am well. Thank you for having me back. Is that what people call Canada, the Great White North, or is that something else? I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> the <laughs> land of of mooses and all kinds of other things. Mooses and uh, maple syrup and poutine. I do love me some poutine. Absolutely. We got a new burger place in town. I've been four times. Guess how many times I've had their poutine? Zero. All four. All four wow. times. Oh yeah, I'm dedicated to my poutine. Me too. Favorite dictator in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that does it for this episode of the Poutine Podcast, where we talk about all things cheese curds and gravy. No, okay. No, instead this week, instead of just talking about uh, fries smothered in uh, fatty goodness, we are going to be talking about the legendary masterpiece from 1990-something. 93? Isn't this 93? The Last Command by Timothy Zahn. Um, last week, we got into the characters, talked about the behind the scenes. Um, this week, we are going to skip right to the chase and get into the overarching questions we've got about the book. Um, that is to say, this book, hey, if you haven't read it, if you missed the last episode, 
there's a variety of ways you can go back and catch up on that. We release every week on um, on Twitch, of course. We've also got um, the edited video going up on YouTube. Shout out to our YouTube fans. We've got a, a good crew over there leaving some um, thought-provoking discussion in the comments. We also post every week in the Legends Look Back um, podcast feed as well as on Utini's Patreon. And so there's a variety of ways you can get caught up. But here's the gist, okay? Uh, if you need a recap on The Last Command, it's like this. We got clones. We got uh, military strategy. We got smugglers. We got Jeruah Sabayoth and one heck of a twist ending. You think that about sums it up, Freddy? Anything else that needs to be said in, like, the TLDR of The Last Command? Um, yeah, the clones are actually... I'm pretty sure they're wearing clothes in this in this uh, story. <laughs> this time around. <laughs> but that's why it can't quite compare to... Dark Empire, I know, controversial. They were both being like published around the same time. They're kind of in direct competition with each other. Uh, so one's in the chat if you prefer the Thrawn trilogy. Two's in the chat if you're right and prefer Dark Empire. Uh, no, I do, uh, of course, love um, love these books. Can't wait for us to talk about them more. We gave them great scores last week in our rankings. We're talking about Thrawn. We're talking about Sabayoth. We've got the introduction of the Solo Twins. You got the uh, the kind of budding love interest possibly between Garm Bell Iblis and Mon Mothma that's kind of a fun angle but this week as we talk about Thrawn we're thinking more about his overarching um his strategy some of the moves and maneuvers that he pulls off in this book and boy does Zahn do a great job at writing Thrawn this time around now Freddy let me ask you this uh, which of Thrawn's tactical decisions in this book and he makes several really witty moves which of Thrawn's um, maneuvers in this book do you think was uh, his shining moment what was the best maneuver that Thrawn pulled off in this book um you know mine this is a good one because I, I think the best one if you know as as a person that works with with projects all day the least cost most effective one which is definitely those asteroids I think that's probably one of the best tactics I've seen where, where you know you've got what a total of like 14 asteroids and they think there's a whole bunch of them out there yeah and then yeah. you've got a uh, grand bill Iblis who comes in and says come on guys like why, why would that happen or was it i forget who it was uh yeah i forget who way. sets them straight it was card yeah oh yeah that's right it was card it was card and he he was like come on guys uh <laughs> think about it well he said we, like, we, hey. we found exactly <laughs> how many um Exactly this many asteroids had been taken from Mirker, right? Mm. Yeah, it was Card because Card has got the Mirker hookup there. He, no, he saw yeah. them in the shipyards. He saw them working on them That's in the right. shipyards when they were okay. doing their Putting smugglers on the, uh, thing. The Cheryl's yeah, always here to set devices. us straight. Whether she's in the chat or she's live on the episode, <laughs> we're never going to get any of like the factual information wrong because Cheryl is keeping us on the rails. Um, I like that part, too. I also like, especially the beginning of the book, when Card and Mara... Is it Card and Mara? No, who is it? It's it's Han, isn't it? Uh, Cheryl will set us straight, I'm sure. They're like watching uh, Th- uh, Thrawn bomb the planet. And uh, whatever the planet is, they're like setting the people straight. And um, of, of course, Thrawn knows. I, I keep messing up Thrawn and Zahn. We've done six weeks now, six episodes of coverage on the Thrawn trilogy. And I'm still struggling with this. Um, Thrawn knows that like they're watching him. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's right there in like yeah. the opening of the book, like the opening salvo. 
Um, I love that he out like they're like no they can't see us we're hiding behind the asteroid or behind this moon or whatever and yet Thrawn outsmarts them and goes for them anyway. Um, uh, one of these moments where you realize he's going to be one step ahead of us the entire book. Now, how about you, Cheryl? When do you think uh, Thrawn has his shining moment in this book? Um, I think the tactical maneuver that was the best was probably um, when they took you. Is it Ukiah? Is that how you pronounce it? They they say Yukio in the in the in the audio book, but that reminds me too much of the two thousands card game. Um, (laughs) I think (laughs) you know what I'm talking about with the monsters. It's time to yeah, I know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyways, the long term benefits of taking that planet um, because they were manufacturers of the foodstuffs. Um, so the benefits of taking that intact was okay. more like long-term because then he can secure a long-term food source for his new clones that has more strategic benefit in the long run because he needs to be able to feed his troops. So I don't think I ever caught that they were they were making the food supplies, yeah. which would make this point of the book really click into place, whereas I'm reading it and thinking the opening is really slow. Um, it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, in so fact, that's like a... the benefit of taking him taking it with everything intact is nothing's destroyed, and so they can just start supplying his, like the empire, with the foodstuffs right away. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the one of the main mysteries that's being explored early on in the book, at least, is as uh, Luke and Card and some others are basically saying, "How come all these troops look a whole lot alike?" Uh, and Luke, mm-hmm. of course. Is realizing they have the same imprint through the force, and um, they're basically trying to figure out how Thrawn is able to um, man this entire fleet that he's just come up with out of the blue with the Katana fleet and um, uh, the mystery surrounding the clones. We're going to come back to clones before the episode is over. You know, when it comes to Thrawn in this book, though, obviously he's outsmarting them one step at a time, and and it seems honestly like uh, even though you know they're taking Luke and Mara are taking down Sabaoth on Wayland, uh, it really does seem like Thrawn still has the upper hand, at least from a tactical standpoint. He outsmarts their, um, at least the New Republic's attempts at trying to outsmart him. He sees through their ruse. Ruse? How do you say that? I said ruse, like Dr. Seuss. (laughs) I realized as soon as it came out of my mouth, I don't think that's right. (laughs) Um, You know, Thrawn sees through all of that. And then all of a sudden, okay, major spoiler here. This is your warning. Um, we get to this point in the book, and it seems like even though Thrawn is still on top from a military standpoint, he's taken out by his right-hand man, his own personal bodyguard assassin, Rook. Uh, Cheryl, do you think that Thrawn had, excuse me, that Zahn had Thrawn's death <laughs> planned from the beginning? Do you think he knew um, back when he was writing the early chapters to Heir to the Empire that uh, this is how it was going to be done because it of course he does have this incredible quote that this was so artistically done and it was artistically done but especially my first time around it caught me off guard how about you do you think this is something that uh, th- that zon had planned from the beginning i think so yeah to have thrown fall at the hand of those he dismissed as nothing more than a primitive species that he used as an expendable tool that's very poetic oh okay yeah um Thrawn eventually does come to realize in that moment that he had underestimated the Nogri. Um, he'd been trying to suppress them, keep them under his thumb. The fact of the matter is the Nogri's loyalty was to Vader primarily and not to Thrawn. And um, it seemed like Thrawn never did quite understand that until it was too late. What about you, Freddy? Uh, do you think that he had mapped this out from the beginning? It's very uh, Roman to me. 
just just the fact that that he died at his basically his right hand man, someone he trusted, uh, you know, almost, I wouldn't say implicitly, but trusted enough to to be around him, that lethal, right? That lethal of, of capabilities. But I think uh, the way it happened too, just right in the basically in the back, stabbed in the back, which is the most meta- meta- metaphorically beautiful thing that I've seen in a Star Wars book. Yeah, it might be the best twist in a Star Wars book. Of course, there's a good twist uh, at the end of Scoundrels. You won't spoil here. I'm trying to think of any other incredible twist. A good twist at the end of uh, Order 66. Um, other ma- uh, Darth Plagueis has a good ending. Um, I love the the kind of cliffhanger in- ending to the, the Bane trilogy. But this one definitely is um, a shining moment in Legends. To, to realize that, hey, this character that has really been built up as an excellent villain, he's going out after his own trilogy. Three books is all we get. Of course, we fill in a little bit more of his backstory, and now, hey, we're getting backstory to that backstory to the backstory as we're getting our third Thrawn trilogy, <laughs> which is amazing to think about. Um, so this, that really lends me to, to asking this. You know, obviously, it was controversial, and people still complain about this on Reddit from time to time, the fact that Thrawn killed off the Zahn killed off Thrawn after his third book. Um, Freddie, how do you think that that uh, that Thrawn is going to go out in canon? Obviously, he, you know, spoiler for the end of Rebels here. Five, four, three, two. Here's the spoiler. Okay. Um, he's <laughs> zapped off by the space whales with Ezra into the unknown. And we don't know where that story's going. But it does seem like, increasingly so, that they are going to finish that story. So how's it has it happened? Is it a knife to the back, Freddie? Is it as is can it possibly be as uh, poetic as it was in um, the Last Command? See, this is where I I feel a little different of Canon Thrawn versus Legends Thrawn. You know, Legends Thrawn, you were actually cool seeing him die, right? You you didn't mind seeing him die. It was it was finally, yeah. like, oh, finally, this guy's done for. Right. But I don't quite feel like that with Le- with Canon Thrawn. I feel like I I almost don't want to see him die but it has to and it has to be pretty immense in my opinion it has to be like defending a planet i don't know it's gonna be intense you want to see him have like a redemptive ending i would love to see a redemptive ending Uh, see i hadn't even contemplated that until you said until you said that um that would make sense that would definitely make sense. What about you, Cheryl? How does he go out? I know you've got something good here for us. No, Kill I, Thrawn I have, for us. I have Kill in all caps the audacity of having me contemplate this question. Like, I will <laughs> not entertain it. I just I just want him to live forever. Uh, no, I think redemptive act would be, like, super cool. I totally, my first watch of Rebels, I totally thought that they died. Like, I oh, thought that really? because the Purgle's tentacles had come in through the windows that it was open to space so that when they jumped they would have like died so i was a mess i was bawling and then everyone because you like, thought oh, both alive. thrawn and ezra I were thought, dead yeah i thought ezra and thrawn were dead and then people were like no no they're like still alive and just out there and i was like what? So, yeah. <laughs> i either want to see the bindu do it or uh <laughs> i am the bindu and you're dead thrawn or, or oh is, is bindu dead rip rip for bindu f's in the chat for bindu sorry bindu uh, i've only seen those twice and it's been a couple years um <laughs> I, I i do think another way to do it obviously he's introduced in in canon through rebels which takes some liberties in terms of its um the way that it plays around with the force and breaking the fourth wall and now uh, you got the world between worlds i want to see 
uh, one of two things happen. Either I want to see uh, Ezra access the world between worlds to go into the Thrawn trilogy story and have Rook kill him again in canon. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go into Legends through the world between worlds. and uh, Or I, I think it would make sense for him to be like imprisoned eternally in a piece of living art. Uh, kind of like Harry Potter, but like more more grotesque. Like uh, in in Harry Potter, it's like the idea is that they're just like a what a an echo of their personhood is is within the the painting. I'm talking about some kind of a crazy Sith force maneuver that imprisons him in a painting. He would love it. He would just admire himself 24 seven. Don't you think, Freddie? Um, I could. Oh man. <laughs> That'd be so vain. <laughs> <laughs> he would love it, and I want to have him. I want to have the same line. It was so artistically done. I mean, it's just one of the best lines, uh, for so real. No, it, you're making a good that? point, Freddie. He really is um, established in a different way. Although Zahn does really take pains to say that he tries to make the stories um, between canon and legends with Thrawn as cohesive as possible. Um, you know, he really has characterized him quite differently. Much more heroic. Uh, much more of an anti-hero, don't you think? Mm-hmm. absolutely and and that's why i feel it doesn't it doesn't have the same reaction to me you know seeing theron die in legends it you kind of it's definitely a breath of fresh air once he's gone it is except for like in hindsight we love him so much that it's it's kind of it's kind of sad to see him go i mean because yeah. he's got so much potential yes, um, it's compared sad. to <laughs> it's sad yes i don't like seeing him die <laughs> no i don't either it but he does do some pretty um, gruesome, villainous things in these books. Uh, you know, just the the book begins with him like wiping out this planet, right? Um, yeah. Definitely not something that uh, is it. Yukio, Yukio. No, he doesn't wipe out the planet. <laughs> he takes it intact with no casualties. Uh, well, by, there's definitely some bombing going on in uh, the opening pages of the 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 comic. I was reviewing the graphic novel adaptation i'll post pictures in the discord channel we can argue about it there um but let's move on from from thrawn you know one of the things that zahn really introduces in, 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 in an incredible way in this series that uh, really gains steam throughout legends is rogue squadron uh, actually really something that the thrawn excuse me that zahn introduces in this series um that then stackpole and alston run wild with in the years to come throughout the 90s and one of Rogue Squadron's shining moments in this book, did you catch this in your read-through, Freddy? That uh, Wedge at one point says, okay, Rogue Squadron, assemble Porkins Formation, and we're going <laughs> to yeah. go into battle. What do you think Porkins Formation is, Freddy? Um, I can think of two things. One of them is they just go straight into the enemy without disregard for their own life. That's one. <laughs> uh, two, uh, I, I honestly have no idea. I was thinking like a, a Big Mac while you're flying and a big gulp in the other hand <laughs> a big gulp a baja blast oh yeah, my something. gosh that's amazing i really don't know <laughs> well i like the way that uh, porkins eventually is characterized in the rogue squadron books that he was like a, a hero of the rebellion anybody basically who had died in that death star battle they sacrificed their lives they basically achieve like immortal status for us, he achieves immortal status in a different way. The fact that there's a character named Porkins, and it's so obviously, you know, uh, Lucas kind of making a fat joke at his expense, and he goes out in this blaze <laughs> of glory. But um, the Legends writers do a great job in trying to, to make Porkins redemptive. Make Porkins redemptive again. Can uh, I point make out a hat. the fact that it's called the Porkins Belly Run? Is it? Is it really? <laughs> it is. I looked on Wikipedia. 
So you looked this up, Cheryl. What is it? What is the Porkins oh, formation? Oh God, no, I can't. I can't explain it. But I just like I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it's I put in Porkins formation, and it came up. Do you mean the Porkins belly run? And I was like, wow. <laughs> well, now we know that it's on the Wook, so everybody can do some googling and get back to me uh, on what is the Porkins formation. If you could make your own Rogue Squadron formation. What would what would yours be called, everybody? Let me know in the Legends Look Back Discord. Um, we've obviously got some uh, humorous moments along the way. Another moment that I find really humorous in the book is this entire notion of this smuggling coalition, and it's one of the major like three or four pillars of this book that Card has to get all of the smugglers to team up with the New Republic in order to basically take down Thrawn. Um, it come to the aid of the New Republic. Freddie, I know that you liked the smuggler stuff in the book. For me, it was Loved some it. of the cringiest. Um, <laughs> does this make any sense that the smugglers would, would need to form a coalition to... What, what does a smuggler coalition even do? Um, they set prices for smuggled goods. <laughs> uh, black market prices. They have uh, update meetings for shareholders. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds even more boring than the first third of The Last Command. <laughs> I I think um, it's interesting because you bring up a good point. A smuggler's alliance, right? It's it's basically like, a, oh, man, I'm going to take it to Star Wars Galaxies. But there's <laughs> oh, like here we are. <laughs> Get your toothpick holders out uh, and pour an adult beverage in it. That's what they call it at Disney, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I, I actually really do like it because even though it is the underground, the underground needs some form of of management and and organization, right? Like there there is a hierarchy, and it may be it may be primitive, I guess, but it needs to happen for the survival of the smugglers. Because I mean, it, in order for that industry to thrive, you do kind of need that that thieves' honor, right? And uh, with that honor, there's there's there, there are some rules, and in this kind, in this section, you kind of see like you know, they're going, uh, they're trying to pick a side, basically. Like, why should we pick sides? Right. That's not really something the underground does. So it, it's curious to see how they go about it. I'm just imagining somebody asking Card in a cantina. So what do you do for a living? And Card says, "Well, I'm <laughs> I'm middle management for the criminal underground." <laughs> middle management. <laughs> Um, what do you think, Cheryl? Does this make any sense? Uh, pick a side between me and Freddie here, because I disagree ve- vehemently. <laughs> I think the smuggling coalition doesn't make a lick of sense, other than the fact that in watching the original trilogy, we like Han, we like Lando. They're both uh, smugglers, right? They're both of this seedy underbelly of the galaxy, and so this is a way for us to just kind of get more of them, and, and they're likable, and now they're on the good side, right? Uh, what do you think, Cheryl? Who's right here, me or Freddie? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Freddy. <laughs> no surprise Every time. there. Um, because like to so to work together instead of against one another can ease the logistics of operations a bit. Um, obviously they're always gonna benefit from both powers, like the Empire and the Republic, operating at the same level of influence because then they're always gonna ensure that they have a market and customers on either side of the conflict. But like they know what it's like to operate under complete imperial rule. Like yeah. The Empire wasn't really in the habit of offering fair trials. They usually opted for execution more often than That's not. That's a good point. So, like, helping to ensure the New Republic had a fighting chance also ensured their chance at profits and just, like, survival. So It's like, hey, join the New Republic. 
Um, we don't pay as well, but you're less less likely to get executed if you mess up. <laughs> so like, there's a good a good reason there. Mara then ends up at the end of the book, kind of taking on this role of being the middle manager for the middle manager for the criminal underworld, and she's going to help be the liaison between the New Republic and this um, smuggler coalition, which at least, you know, on the bright side, one of the things I like about this is it does open the door for us to get more Booster Tarek stories in Legends, which is going to happen uh, in many books to come, where Booster be, uh, ends up being called in to save the day with his... Doesn't he have a red Star Destroyer? Isn't his uh, Star Destroyer the Air Adventure? Isn't it, like, um, Candy Apple Red, Freddy? I think so, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like a hot rod. <laughs> a hot rod. Star Destroyer that he had stolen. Gotta love Booster, one of my very favorite characters. Um, but we're talking about Mara here stepping in on behalf of the smugglers and helping with um, helping with this, this new coalition that's formed. One of the points about Mara, uh, from an overarching standpoint for me, that really um, struck me in a different way this read-through is the fact that in the final battle... We're talking about the final battle quite a bit in tonight's episode. The final battle between Luke and Sabayoth, and you got the Vornskers, and uh, Leia and Han end up coming coming in to mess things up. I mean, save the day. Um, in this final battle uh, against Luuk, the clone, um, he, of course, has Luke's lightsaber that was cut off from his hand on Cloud City. And then, at the end of the book, Luke bequeaths this lightsaber, his father's lightsaber, to Mara Jade. This lightsaber, of course, in canon, you know, in recent years, within the last five years, has taken on a new level of significance, of course, uh, becoming Rey's lightsaber. The lightsaber that Finn takes up in The Force Awakens, the lightsaber that's ripped in half. It's now known as, not as Rey's lightsaber, not as uh, Anakin's lightsaber or Luke's lightsaber. It's known as the Skywalker Legacy Saber. And with all of that canon baggage, sequel trilogy baggage that I'm taking into my recent read-through, I'm kind of left surprised that Luke gives this to Mara. Um, Cheryl, as a big, uh, you know, sequel trilogy fan, Ben Solo fan, you know, hey, he wants that saber. The saber is mine! Um, do you think that uh, this was the right thing to give this to Mara? What, what claim does she have to this legendary saber? Um, I look at it from a much more sentimental point of view. Um, I love this moment. Um, Luke is giving Mara a piece of himself, and it shows how much he values her and cares about her. Um, yeah, a good the point. lightsaber is a gift of protection, and it also shows that he knows that her path is to follow the guidance of the living force. So it symbolizes Luke's Great trust podcast, and faith by the way. in her. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it symbolizes Luke's trust and faith in her, and it also shows he's probably hoping that she chooses to become a Jedi. Oh, that's such a sentimental answer. Oh my gosh, that hit me right in the heart. Heart feels. Um, oh my goodness, to think about the fact that. Um, Luke is basically giving it as a down payment and saying, like, you're going to follow the light side. Just try not to lose any limbs along the way. Um, <laughs> I love that. What do you think, Freddie? I, I kind of came in cynically to this to say, well, why does Mara get this saber? Um, uh, Cheryl's making a great point. Uh, what do you think, Freddie? It was Luke's uh, proposal to Mara. Oh, you think so? Who opinion. needs a wedding ring yeah. when you've got a lightsaber? <laughs> That's honestly what I see. He's he's giving it to her, saying like, "You're gonna be my partner in this. You're gonna, you're going to see the things. You're gonna, you're gonna follow. You're gonna come with me." And uh, I, I think he trusts her in the situations that Luke can't can't succeed in. He knows that she'll be able to do it. I think. And he he realizes like how good of a partner she's going to be. And and he, that's you're right. That's his investment. 
that lightsaber is is basically like this is my father's heirloom i'm giving it to you because you're the only person i would trust it with oh that's beautiful now this saber of course uh, does go on beyond mara other people end up using this saber to uh, various ends throughout legends i don't want to spoil it here freddie we do have a Coming up at some point in 2021, we're planning on doing a Legends Lightsabers episode, so we'll talk about it more then. Um, should have some fun fodder for discussion with that. But th- this saber definitely being the most legendary of sabers in Legends. Uh, the fact that it was somehow retrieved from Luke's hand that was then made into a clone named Luuk that he, he then passes on to Mara is <laughs> just so incredibly wacky, and yet... Um, takes on this this whole new level of significance and meaning, and it takes this saber that once we get the prequels and now the sequels, Legends has its own spin on the significance of the saber, and I absolutely love it. Don't you? Yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. I, I just love that they had to name him Luke. <laughs> that part just gets me every single time. Hold on to Luke. We're going to talk about him more in a minute. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I do love, and I did not love this character as much um, in in other read-throughs as I did this time around. I I gotta say, I really fell deep in love with none other than Sabaoth himself in this (laughs) read-through. Just how incredibly committed he is to his own bit of being the creepy old man um, Jedi who's gonna take over the world, who believes he's good and he's right, but in fact is just so incredibly demented and evil um, and one of the points in the book that, that really gets me feeling like Sabaoth is paving the way for other misguided dark Jedi in Legends is when he says that he wants to take over the galaxy to save it from itself. Do you remember this, guys? Um, it's early on in the book. Sabaoth and Thrawn are basically arguing because Sabaoth's wanting to do things his way, and Thrawn is trying to keep Sabaoth from getting too far out of hand. Uh, And he says specifically he wants to take over the galaxy to save it from itself. He says that the galaxy is is so messed up, they need a ruler to set them right. Um, This honestly becomes a pretty common line of reasoning among Sith Lords. Darth Kytus um, believes this. Darth Krait, they both fall into this line of thinking. Um, Freddie, what do you think is the, the flaw, though, in this line of thought? It seems like anybody who ever comes up with this idea that... Oh, I know. I'll save the galaxy by ruling it to save it from itself. I'll just I'll go down this dark path in order to save the galaxy. Um, why is that always doomed for failure? At least in legends. Well, it's funny because you see this you see this theme in real life, or well, I shouldn't say real life in other franchises. Uh, you've got the Marvel franchise where in real life, like very... Marvel comics, <laughs> <laughs> like that's my real life. <laughs> That's where I live, everyone. Find me there. <laughs> but uh, I definitely feel like like it's a very strong theme because it's one of those ethical decisions where uh, you've got two choices. You want to save the the world. How do you do it? Uh, well, if I control everybody, then I can save the world, right? That's okay. I I see where you're going, but you're you're kind of heading down the wrong ethical choice, right? Like their their cause seems noble until you look into it, and and. Ultimately, uh, you can't control people. You can't control individuals who are not made to to be. You know, they're they're made to be individual first of all, because everyone has their own skills and skill sets, and we wouldn't be able to perform as as a race, right? Now I'm getting like into the real life part, 
uh, we wouldn't be able to I guess we wouldn't be able to perform every single task so we need someone else to be better at something than we are right and the universe is just not down for complete unification unless you have yeah. like you know cyborgs yeah we're not going to have uniformity there's not going to be complete peace um we're, we're, no single ruler is going to set things right especially not by domination uh at least from my perspective what do you think cheryl yeah, you put. Um, he says he wants to take over the galaxy to save it from itself. I'm like, does he though? Like, Sith lords only want power <laughs> to fulfill their yeah. own selfish desires. So, like, who's to say the galaxy even needs saving? Saving from what? Like, yeah, he just wants what all Sith lords want, which is absolute control and power, and to fulfill whatever their personal agenda is. So he's yeah. shown he only seeks to dominate what he views as lesser beings. So this is always doomed to fail because all sentient beings have free will and thought and thus they will always resist. Yeah, I think that's it's really beautiful to think about the fact that he doesn't actually want to save the galaxy. He just wants to dominate because he enjoys power. But I, I do think that Sabayoth believes his own lie. Uh, I think he's really good at self-deception. He's really good at convincing himself of his own nonsense. And, and we all are. And... um. It's one of the things that's, that's so sad about Sabayoth is that he, uh, the, the, trying to clone Force users doesn't work well in Legends, especially that ends up being um, uh, canonized to, to a decent extent. I'm trying to remember where it kind of comes in um, a little more solidly than it does in this trilogy, that it just that typically doesn't go well. So so for him, there's been this backfire, and there's these missing links, and his his mind is deteriorating, and uh, for me, it's it's this idea that he has just come to believe his own lies. He doesn't even understand that he's a clone, right? Mm. And so Luke is shattering his own vision. I, I find him to be a sympathetic character in a certain, to a certain degree. <laughs> not, not much, but to a certain... I mean, you can't have abs like that unless you really believe <laughs> you are in this for the right reasons. Um, but it really is a, a really tragic line of reasoning, whether in real life, in Marvel, or in Star Wars, that we're going to... Uh, we're going to control the galaxy to save it from itself. One of my guiding principles in life, um, in, in religion, uh, as well as in Star Wars, is freedom. As Cheryl said, freedom, um, free will, and uh, that's where love comes from. Like that, that, that humans, we are chaotic, and yet the, the chaos comes with love, and it comes with free will, and the ability to choose, and um, each, individual's, each individual person's choices matter. And uh, that's one of the things that, that he just doesn't seem to understand. He's always putting other people down, viewing himself on a high pedestal. And uh, like I said last week, he just needs to eat a Snickers, right? <laughs> uh, as soon as he gets a Snickers, it's all going to fall in line. You know, when Sabiath is killed, though, there's this... And I loved this part. Absolutely love this part. Talked my wife's ear off about this. And now we're going to get into it on the podcast with people who actually care about this stuff. Um, when Sabiath is killed, there's an explosion of dark side energy. And um, Zahn specifically says that he says explicitly in the text that this was just like when Palpatine fell down the reactor shaft in Return of the Jedi. He exploded in a, uh, a storm of dark force energy. Now, obviously, other authors and storytellers and legends don't end up going with this. Although it, it seems pretty clearly here that uh, Zahn is trying to establish this, that whenever a Darksider is killed, they explode with Darkside energy, which I think is so epically Legends. Um, Freddie, why do you think that this didn't become 
the way of Darksiders in Legends. Um, <laughs> why don't we see more Dark Force users explode epically, Freddy? Uh, honestly, that's a good question. And I, I have to say that there's the big mistake is that we have not seen enough, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and just uh, let me let me put it in this term, right? So every time a Jedi dies, we see their ghost, right? Because they, 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 they continue life. But I feel like the Sith hoard the Force. It'd be nice to see them go the opposite way, which is just complete explosion. Explosions. Annihilation. <laughs> Explosions. <laughs> Annihilation. Yeah, I mean, you got uh, Force ghosts for the Jedi. You know, they can have eternal life. Um, <laughs> the Sith, they try to hoard it, and it just backfires all over everybody. Uh, why do you think that uh, this isn't something that happens more often in Legends, Cheryl? Uh, do you wish that this had become something that that was the way of uh, darksiders and legends no i thought i thought honestly i thought palps exploded because he was thrown down a reactor shaft well you know that's lightning. what makes more sense that really is what makes more sense <laughs> yeah, yeah like, he I is shooting electricity it, like a character into the reactor yeah so like i'm glad it didn't become a solidified thing one of these days if we ever get timothy's on this podcast and i am determined to make it happen um <laughs> we are gonna ask him this question mark my words it's gonna happen um, let me let me put a fun spin on it, Cheryl. Let's let's have you go first on this one. Um, what would you like to have explode out of you when you die? <laughs> because for for um for Sabiath, it's dark side energy. When you die, what's gonna come out in the explosion? Um, the tears of toxic mansplaining fanboys. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> my answer is noodles. Just noodles <laughs> exploding everywhere. You're and welcome, Meg. Nope. Um, if I ever know that I'm about to die, I'm just going to carbo-load all the noodles just for Meg's oh, okay. sake. Uh, what about you, Freddie? What do you think? What's going to explode out of you when you die? Just Star Wars Galaxies? Whiskey. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> What'd you Star say? Star Wars Galaxies and, and whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Well, you know, continuing down this wacky line of reasoning, one of the major things that uh, is the pillar of this book is uh, cloning. Obviously, we're dealing with this uh, deranged, evil uh, Jedi clone in Sabaoth. We're dealing with uh, this clone army that is uh, serving Thrawn's forces. We're, of course, dealing with the legendary Luuk as well. Um, so, Freddy, what would you do if you had 200,000 clones? What would you do with all these clones, man? If uh, if yeah. if you were in Thrawn's uh, space boots, <laughs> what would you possibly do? Um, have you seen? Let's see. What is it? Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in theaters in high school. Clone, but I would have a lot of really cool friends, and they unfortunately it'd all be me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, what I I don't think I'd do anything other than just. Uh, you know, have a hangout time, call my buddies, see how they're doing. So you're telling me if you had all these clones, you would just, like, chill and call I'd, them? I'd chill with all of them. <laughs> oh, my God. How about you, Cheryl? I'm, uh, like, humanitarian and disaster relief aid? Like, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would sense. kill all the poachers. Like, you're yeah, Okay, poachers and humanitarianism. I was just going to say, like, do my laundry and ironing and unload the dishwasher. Come on, Some of guys. these things. Think when, about, I have my think about helping others with all your clones. When my wife was um, doing student teaching in college, um, she was um, elementary ed major, 
she was in a very small town in Arkansas, Bald Knob, Arkansas, which is a real town, by the way. Um, <laughs> there was, I kid you not, this actually happened. There was a family that had a monkey in their in their house. They bought the monkey as a pet. They were trying to train it to do household chores for them, no. such as do the laundry. Oh, I'm I'm serious. But then. At the, this was at the parent-teacher conference that this this question came up. They were like, so tell us about the monkey. And then the mom said, yeah, that wasn't going very well. So what we did is we bought another monkey who was better trained to teach the monkey that we already bought how to do our laundry. <laughs> so they ended up with two monkeys to try to do their laundry. I know this story sounds absurd because it is, but it is true. However, I would probably take a page out of their playbook and have my clones teach the other clones how to do my laundry. And uh, somebody it. please screenshot the look on Cheryl's face with my monkey laundry story. <laughs> like, is it not illegal to have monkeys? Different states have different laws uh, surrounding owning monkeys. As so, slaves? Uh, as <laughs> as slaves. I mean, they're pets. <laughs> not slaves. <laughs> well, Google it. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, what exactly, though? Obviously, we're talking about the ethics of owning monkeys in the United States, but... Um, Cheryl, what do you think are the ethics of cloning in the galaxy far, far away? Because this seems like really murky territory, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, definitely. To be cloning an army? Yeah, no, it's definitely nefarious because they were created for an army in war. So, yeah, clones were made to be totally obedient, so taking order without question, and they didn't have the free will to choose for themselves what their life would be. So, like, because the cloners, like, obviously in canon it's a little bit different, but the cloners encoded the directive in them, in their biology, to make it impossible for them to disobey a specific order. So basically, clones are slaves. Yeah. Yeah, we dealt with that uh, back when Meg was on our episodes about Republic Commando. We talked about this quite a bit. Um, obviously, Karen Travis has a very direct agenda in trying to show that the Jedi are just as, if not more, evil than the Separatists in the way that they um, are using clones and, and not treating them like people, but instead just treating them like uh, disposable objects. Obviously, the Clone Wars were still very much up in the air, however, when this trilogy was being written. Um, Freddie, what do you think the ethics are of cloning in the galaxy far, far away? Pre Pre-Clone Wars, mind you. Yeah, I keep thinking about how how Cheryl would send her clones to do good things, and I literally just want to hang out with mine, and I can't stop thinking about that. <laughs> but I I think when it comes to cloning, right, it it goes to the same the same thing as as dominion over a, an individual, uh, even even if it is a clone, right? It's it's still created, you know, not exactly the same, but the science is like if you look at it on paper, it's almost about the same. So why isn't it, why aren't clones considered the same thing as the original copy, right? It's, it, it ha it's a living individual. Obviously, the, you know, in the Clone Wars, they, they or in Star Wars, and, you know, during the Clone Wars, they were all programmed. And that is even sketchier to me because now you're just specifically telling them how to think, what to think, no feelings, go in and die. And then, you know, another clone's going to come out in a couple days. Yeah. So it, it's it's super. It, man, if you think tough. about it for more than five seconds, it really is sickening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What else is sickening is this story that Wes just shared in the chat about <laughs> the spider monkey that is 
his dad used to have as a kid that entire time you were talking freddy i was just trying so hard to keep it together because it is absolutely insane and this show has really gotten off the rails and i'm so sorry i ever brought up cloning or monkeys or any of this you know what is just as wild as that story that uh, that I told, even wilder than the story that Wes just shared, is <laughs> is Luuk. Okay, Luuk, I think, is one of uh, the greatest twists in this entire trilogy because, for the most part, the trilogy really holds up after all these years. Um, Thrawn's tactatory, uh, is that a word? Uh, Thrawn's genius as a tactician. Um, all of those maneuvers make sense. The way that you can see him outsmart the New Republic, even the brightest minds like Akbar and uh, Bell Iblis. Um, there's so many things in this trilogy that really holds up Luke's journey to, to restart the Jedi. Uh, Mara is such an incredible character. However, there's one thing that really stands out as especially... Ooh, I'm not even sure what the right word is for Luke. What would you describe... What's the word you would use, uh, Cheryl, for Luuk? Is he more, like, uh, entertaining, or is Luuk just straight cringe? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought it was a good plot twist. Like, you, yeah, I didn't see it coming. Um, <laughs> like Luke has a clone yeah, from his hand. Named Luuk, specifically. Yeah, right, because he talk, wasn't... Yeah. He I mean, didn't learn how to read and write. He just learned how to wage war. Yeah, I just like it. It just helped... Mara's character and that it's a means to give Mara the chance to give in to the voice inside her head and finally silence it and she also gets to yeah. kill Luke without really killing Luke and she's actually right. like because she's saving the actual Luke when she mm, does it yeah. and so she gets to give in while also proving herself at the same time so it's like a win-win definitely yeah that that makes sense um, I remember my first read through when I realized, oh, she can kill him, and that totally resolves this plot wise. Um, Cheryl, did you know who who uh, Thrawn ah messed it up again? Who Zahn wanted to originally have be the clone in uh, in this book? Mm-mm. It was originally going to be. Do you know this one, Freddie? Was it Chewbacca? Chewbacca. Yeah. Do you like how easily that just slipped? Yeah, you really, you really just, it really throwed out of the back of the throat there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, if I ever clone you, me and Fre- Fre- Eddie are gonna have a, a wild time out in Galaxy's Edge. All right, Freddie, what's um, <laughs> what's your stance on Luke? You didn't answer your your own question, Jared. You said, "Did well, you know?" And then you didn't tell us. Did I know what? Who the, original, the uh, original clone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got off, I got off track. Um, <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, he wanted to do uh, a clone of Obi-Wan. And it was vetoed by George Lucas. Yeah. Oh, that's probably a good idea. Interesting. Yeah, it was not, not going to be the right move at all. No. Um, I'm not sure that Luke is the right move either, but <laughs> it's, it's something. I like that uh, it, it at least gets the lightsaber back into the story. Uh, which I appreciate yeah. for going forward in, in Legends. And um, and it also makes for a really cool four-way lightsaber fight. You know, you've got uh, Sabayoth and Luke and Luke and Mara <laughs> all in the same battle, and then eventually it's the, the Vornskers that take out um, Sabayoth, which I think was a, a really good twist. Okay, yeah, they take him Mara out. They're the ones him. that get the credit. Mara kills him. Yeah, she decapitates him, right? No, she, she thrusts up because she's... 
That's that's her kneeling before him. He sees the vision of her kneeling before him because she's like cutting all the rocks away. And then she like lunges forward, she kneels, and then she thrusts up with the lightsaber and kills him. I've got a, a picture I'm going to throw up in the Legends Look Back Discord that is absolutely my favorite piece of art from this entire um, the graphic novel adaptation that is uh, Luke fighting Sabaoth when Sabaoth is doing his force lightning, I mean his sparkly fingers, and uh, Mara's on the floor <laughs> having been taken out. I mean, it's an incredible piece of art. Now, I'll share it in the, the Discord channel um, for everybody to take a look at. Uh, so it's a, a great depiction of that. However, uh, I want one of what, what um, Cheryl is describing. I'll have to look that up and see what it looks like. Uh, exactly who gets the credit for taking him out. I'm, I'm attributing it to the Vornskers. I think Cheryl's right, but I did like that. They wouldn't have been able to do it without the Vornskers, do you think? No, yeah. Luke distracts him with the Vornskers and then gives Mara her opening. Uh, so, Freddy, uh, what's your stance on Luke? Was this the right move? Should he have just stick, stuck with uh, Sabayoth and Thrawn? Was it right to introduce another villain this late in the series? Um, yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's almost like the final challenge, right? The final challenge of of his Jedi ship, if that makes any sense. Uh, really becoming a master, he has to defeat himself, right? And and if Luke is anything like Luke or Luke, you know, the other way around, uh, they're going to have the same abilities in terms of physical abilities, in terms of, of uh, possibly force abilities, Right, uh, and of course Sabiath doing his thing and, and and enforcing or you know giving him that power as well. It's it's a real challenge. Uh, I can't say you know the first time I read this, I had the same reaction that I had when I talked about clones and myself. I I just could not imagine seeing another replica of me, and you know, just it was the weirdest the weirdest feeling for some reason and every time i read it and i and i see luke get revealed i have that same weird feeling which is uh i, I guess it's a level of cringe but it's more of like it, it would just freak me out like what the heck how did you get me <laughs> i guess that would how be really unsettling wouldn't it yeah. <laughs> i like that it plays off of what is the most existential um I would say the darkest moment in all of the Empire Strikes Back, which is the the Dagobah Force vision where Luke, you know, strikes down Vader only to discover, boom, you know, it was him all along under the helmet. And like, this is who you can become if you continue down this path. Um, so I like that that's a way of kind of riffing on that motif and bringing it to the next level and to such a legendary level, especially in this book. It's just, it's so bonkers, and I love it for that. One other thing about that entire final battle, you know, it's happening there in the stronghold uh, in uh, Mount Tantus on Wayland. At one point, uh, the book says that Palpatine's stronghold contains, and I quote, Palpatine's private mementos and souvenirs. So, what in the world, besides clones, do you think Palpatine has got stored in his mountain vault, being guarded by a dark Jedi? What do you think he's got stored in there? How many Funko Pops do you think he's got in there, Cheryl? <laughs> I don't know if he's got Funko Pops. I, I imagine he's got, like, you know, the Galaxy's got souvenirs. Greatest Emperor mug that Vader gave him, right? Like, <laughs> World's best boss. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Lego he, Palpatine would totally have that one. Totally, right? He's got all those all those late-night TV infomercial purchases that you make because you're like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, pots. I have to have this. It's the greatest thing, and then you just never use it. So he's got all those in there, I guess. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's a late-night shopper. tape in there. <laughs> 
due to his late age, his advanced age, he might have one of those things that inverts him so he could stretch his spine out a little He's bit. He's going to shake weight. Hey, I've got one of those, Freddie. I've got a, I've got an inversion table. I hang upside down for a, a few minutes every day. But you're talking about the thing where you lay on the floor and just like stretch yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, those are those are a waste of money. Uh, inversion table, however, I enjoy. I like to pretend like I'm uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Sometimes I take a Legends book in there with me and read it upside down. Um, that's I a great idea. He's how, a late night shopper. You know, Spider-Man kissing upside down. How that felt? <laughs> no, no, no. That'd be weird. <laughs> Not kissing anybody. Just reading <laughs> Legends books. Um, Freddie, what's uh, what's your idea? What's for, what's Palpatine got stored in that garage there? He's he's such crayons. a hoarder, don't you think? Some crayons, coloring books, Star Wars coloring books. Connect uh, the dots. Yeah, a couple, couple. Uh, Show, uh, show, show side. What is it? Show side show side collectibles. Show collectibles. <laughs> yeah, those two hundred and fifty dollar yeah. Obi Wan's. I I got an Obi Wan. Did you? <laughs> yeah, the, he's on his way. You got the one that's um like ep- between episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the best Star Wars collectible ever made, man. That's why I, I had to get it. I've been thinking about getting that for years. That's incredible. You have to show it off on stream once you've got it. Uh, we're having way too much fun on this on this episode tonight. Way too much fun between the monkey stories and the the hoarding in the mountain, the late night shopping. So one final one final game we're gonna play before we close it out. Uh, what a ride it has been. Thank you for joining us, Cheryl. We've really enjoyed having you for such thought provoking conversations. I mean, you've really taken us to new levels of depth. And then instead, we just drag you through the mud with monkey stories and clones. And all right, one final game. Obviously, what uh, sets Thrawn apart as such an incredible uh, villain is the fact that he's an art connoisseur, right? He's got this redemptive quality where, hey, he's cultured. He may be evil. He may fight for the Empire. He might annihilate your planet, but at least he is well-rounded, right? And in particular, this, this trilogy does this so often where he will examine a person's piece of art or a, a a planet's piece of art and then find the way to defeat them right so this happens with Garmbel Iblis happens with Admiral Akbar it happens other times um so what we're going to do on this episode of Legends Look Back and I want everybody in the Discord if you can um to participate if you are willing uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take one piece of art that we have displayed in our own homes, in our dwelling places, all right? Uh, whether you're in a house or an apartment or a tent, doesn't matter. Whatever art you've got hanging up, all right? Um, show off one piece of art, and we are all, as a community, going to theorize on how Thrawn could use it to defeat us in battle, okay? How could Thrawn analyze this and take us down? I've got, I'm going to go first because uh, I've already pulled mine up, give everybody else a chance to pull theirs up. This is a piece of art hanging in um, my wife's art studio. We've got a little, my wife's an artist. This is a little corner of the room set aside for my kids to do their own art. My wife had this artsy-fartsy idea to hang up art that the kids had painted as if like their own art is on display. Spoiler alert, it's mostly nothing. <laughs> it's just random things that they've scribbled onto paper. So this is the most colorful and largest format piece of art we've got hanging in our art studio, and it is this. Just splotches of, uh, you can see my ring light there, splotches of <laughs> of paint onto this canvas. How in the world could Thrawn use this to eliminate me in battle? Uh, you want to you wanna lead us off, Freddy? What? 
what's the what's the the plot hole in my piece of art there that uh, <laughs> that Thrawn can use to eliminate me? Oh man, you had to you had to go this route too, <laughs> the art the abstract route. You know what? That's what I'm going with. You're unconventional. You're abstract. So uh, well, he isn't. His um, kids are. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so he, he knows you've got young kids. Let's yeah, go with that that's, one. He knows you know, that you... thank you, Freddie, for saying that Thrawn <laughs> is going to leverage my children against me. Yeah, that's especially dark. I show off a colorful piece of children's art. You say that an evil overlord's going to ransom them. I mean, unless, I mean, let's just assume he's like, you know, this was made from the, the spawn of Jared. Uh, <laughs> let's just go after them. That seems like the easiest way to do it. <laughs> I knew you were going to take it there. What do you think, Cheryl? Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, I can't analyze <laughs> it's fine. a All person's right. psychological... Thrawn could if he was here. Well, All right, so uh, because of... <laughs> how about the two of you? Let everybody in the Discord uh, chime in on this. You can play along. We'll see who our best Thrawn is. Thrawn of the week. Uh, it looks like you're ready there, Freddie. What you got, man? What's your art? Uh, okay, it's it's pretty big, so I'm gonna try to see if I can fit this in the camera. Just give me a second. <laughs> the maneuvering that we have to do to play along with this goofy game. Oh, okay. We got some actual Star Wars art here. Uh, we got Luke and the land speeder. For those who are listening, it's uh, Luke staring off. It's not into the sunset because the twin suns are behind him. Um, it is, it's beautiful, a gorgeous piece of art, kind of a riff on the binary sunset. Uh, Freddie, I'm filling in our audio listeners on what they could be seeing here. Um, yeah. What's the significance of that? Do you know who, uh, who the artist is? Yeah. So it's called Edge of Destiny. Every time I go to, to a, a celebration, I always try to buy some art. Oh, and look at you. Thrawn would be is... proud. <laughs> This one is uh, Edge of Destiny. I'll, I'll leave uh, the picture in the Discord and the uh, artist as well. Give some credit there. But it was twenty, yeah, 2015 celebration. And it's basically a, uh, it's 70, what is it? 48 out of 100. So oh, numbered, it's numbered, rare. cool. Yeah. But it's definitely one of my favorites. And uh, just looking at it, I'll post it in the Discord. It you see this this like the the formation of who Luke will be it's the very beginning when you realize in my opinion this is what i see uh he realizes that you know it, things are changing he's got Luke or he's got C3PO and R2 there and this is really the uh, keystone of the evolution of Luke in my opinion oh wow look at you you're such an art critic uh, what's funny <laughs> in this whole discussion is i've actually got a poster of Thrawn that was inside uh one of the Thrawn books from the last trilogy, uh, not the current Thrawn trilogy or the Thrawn trilogy that we're talking about. The first canon Thrawn trilogy. This is a debate, long-standing debate that, that I've... wasn't like an actual. Trilogy. <laughs> right, the, the unofficial <laughs> canon Thrawn trilogy. This is a long-standing debate between me and Meg. Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion, there is one and only one Thrawn trilogy, and it's what we're <laughs> talking about tonight. Anyway, I've got a poster. I've got art of Thrawn staring at me as we talk about. <laughs> What Thrawn would think of our art. It's extremely meta. And it's he's like piercing with his red eyes right into my soul. It's actually kind of freaking me out. All right, so before I get any uh, more paranoid, uh, what you got, Cheryl? What's your art? Oh, look at that. Um, it looks That's a lot nice. like uh, Kylo Ren without his helmet on. That is Ben Solo. <laughs> ben Solo, okay. Wow, that's gorgeous. That Absolutely. You know, Anna, that's Anna Mendez. She does black and white pencil drawings. Wow. 
That's awesome. I will also post in Discord and do links to her. Absolutely yeah. incredible. So, so how would we didn't speculate on on Freddie? Uh, how would Thrawn use these pieces of art to uh, to demoralize the two of you and defeat you in battle? <laughs> he would just distract me with really tortured, beefy men. <laughs> so with Thrawn would chests. Thrawn would uh, he would have a, a, a Nogri strike team infiltrate the bridge of your starship, Cheryl. And then Thrawn would come out from behind uh, a door wearing nothing but high-waisted pants. Yes. And then you would lose the battle. Yep. <laughs> okay. And uh, for Freddy, all Thrawn would have to do is, uh, what, give you a numbered piece of art. And then yeah. you would you would get distracted and, and... Put some C4 on the back. Done. <laughs> it's over. Absolutely over. Um, yeah, so Thrawn, he would have to bait you with, having the, the most beautiful piece of art at, at Star Wars Celebration <laughs> for you to, to want to purchase. So, so everybody else, uh, chime in the Discord. Uh, also feel free, in celebration of Thrawn's love of art, post uh, a fun piece of art that you've got hanging in your home. It can be Star Wars related. It can not be Star Wars related. It can be art that you've done. It can be your favorite piece of Star Wars art that's not even something that you own. Um, it's fair game. Uh, feel free to post in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. We want to know what art do you care about? And why? And we'll, we'll we'll demoralize you with it, just as Thrawn would. Well, this has been an absolutely blast of an episode. But you know what else is going to be a blast next week's show? Am I right, Freddie? You ready for this, I'm man? Excited. I think this is one of the the most just absolutely off the wall ideas that we have had with Legends Look Back. Next week, grab your space reindeer and your hot cocoa, just like Luke would, for the ultimate Legends Holiday Gift Guide. We're going to be talking about uh, gifts that you could get for the Star Wars fans in your life. We're going to be talking about ways that you could spend the Amazon gift cards that we know we're all going to be getting for Christmas this year or whatever holiday that you celebrate. We're going to talk about gifts you can get for Star Wars fans or things that you, you might just be inspired to purchase for yourself. Um, we're going to be talking about all kinds of fun Star Wars merch and collecting next week and how to find the best deals here on Legends Look Back so you won't want to miss it. That is it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Let's Look Back. Thank you so much to those who have joined us here live uh, during the show in the chat. Thank you to those who have uh, subbed and have thrown in the bits. We were this close to a hype train, Freddie. Did you see that? We I were this close. We so had close. bits flying everywhere and resubs and uh, prime subs. Anyway, um, thanks, of course, to those who have been here live with us. Thanks especially to Cheryl, our guest, who's done a marvelous job. Thanks also to Meg, our producer. And to Nathan, our video editor, thank you especially to our incredible patrons, just like Cheryl. Um, you can, of course, get in on the behind-the-scenes of Utini with access to lots of bonus shows, including Meg's new show, Cafaves, as well as uh, the new show that our buddy Trevor and Joxie have started, which is absolutely incredible with some good deep-dive Star Wars archives getting to all the wacky, obscure stuff in the galaxy far, far away. Now that we're live on Twitch, you can help us out by subscribing, either the old-fashioned way or, of course, with Prime Gaming. Also, remember, we want your questions. You can email us at legendslookbackutini.com or even leave us a voicemail, 508-686-1158. In the meantime, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddy? At Wake Up Freddy. Meg? At MacDowell. And Cheryl? At Cheryl K. Bell. Awesome. Look at that. Perfectly orchestrated with all four of us. Loved it. Love it when everybody shows up for their speaking part right here at the ending when I forget that 
we're still going to have other people chiming in. Anyway, if you're looking to buy some of these books, want to help support the show, you can head on over to utini.com, click on the Amazon or the Thrift Books or the eBay link in the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. Another way, of course, to help us out and show your love of Utini is by grabbing some of our incredible legendary swag from our merch store at utini.com slash merch, including the Legends Look Back t-shirt, the It Was So Artfully Done tank, or our brand new line of merch with masks, hoodies, and even long sleeve tees. Remember, if you've read The Last Command or any of these other incredible Legends books that we've discussed on the show, head on over to utini.com and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think. And remember, of course, to keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. May the force be with you. This is a Utini Broadcast.